Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation this morning, taken from the second chapter of the letter that Paul wrote to the Christians who lived in Philippi. Listen again now to a portion of verses 15 and 16. Paul writes and he says, That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of truth. So far our text. I have been a Boundary Waters freak for decades. At one point, going 27 years in a row without missing a trip. If heaven turns out to be a tent pitched on a wilderness lake with an endless supply of loons and walleyes, I will be in paradise. Over the years, I've learned that one of the keys to having a great canoe trip is picking out the perfect campsite. And the most desirable campsites always have what I call a front porch. A nice slab of granite, uh, gabbro granite sloping into the lake, and the flatter, the better. And these rocky shelves are perfect for parking your canoe or throwing out a couple of slip bobbers or catching some rays, taking a nap, a swim, or just watching the lake. But the front porch really excels when it comes to stargazing. I'm telling you, you really don't know what stars look like until you recline with a rock as your couch and a life jacket as your pillow and simply take in the night sky. You greet the moon. You count the satellites. You ooh and ah at shooting stars. Can you say northern lights? Could anything be so brilliant or so beautiful. Today's epistle reading reminds me of the night skies in the boundary waters. The Apostle Paul challenges his first readers, as well as you and me too, and I quote, shine as lights in the world. And by the way, the Greek word for light that Paul uses here is the word phoster, which literally means luminary or star. So what does Paul mean exactly when he encourages you and me to shine like stars? Well, first of all, because you are a Christian, you need to know that you are shiny. You're shiny people. And if you have a few birthdays under your belt, you'll remember when glow-in-the-dark toys became the coolest thing. Super Bowls, Frisbees, anything Nerf was suddenly glow-in-the-dark awesome. Simply hold that Nerf football up to a light bulb, excite the phosphorus molecules infused in that football for a minute or two, and then let the night games begin. You're a Christian. You're shiny. 
On the day you were baptized, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, wrapped his arms around you. He changed you. He recharged you. He plugged you into himself. And you haven't been the same since. Now, by grace, through faith, you have been infused with the power and the love and the glory and the forgiveness of Christ's cross and his empty uh, Easter grave. Today, you reflect the light and love of Jesus. You people are shining. And secondly, as a Christian, not only are you shiny, but people will notice you. People will notice your Christ-reflective shininess. They won't help but notice. And here's why. Do you know why the stars seem so much brighter up in the boundary waters? Here's the scientific answer. The scientific answer is, it's dark. It's really dark. There's no ambient light. No cities, no street lights, headlights, no Minnesota power up there on the border lakes to compete with or dim or dilute or water down the starlight at all. Those stars will shine like the sun, which of course is what they are. The darker the background, the brighter they will glow. Now, in our text, the city of Philippi provided the perfect sin-darkened background against which the Christians who resided there 2,000 years ago could really shine for Jesus. And back then, Philippi was a Roman town through and through, and those who lived there were proud of that. It was a city that had become a popular retirement destination for Roman soldiers. In fact, Philippi was nicknamed Little Rome. And like its big brother, it was a cesspool of every kind of sexual, licentious, immoral, and pagan activity under the sun. Listen to how Paul describes this wonderful retirement community. He talks about the Philippian Christians living in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Crooked, Paul says, from the Greek word scolios, okay? And, you know, if you have scoliosis, what's going on with your back? It's crooked, okay? Here, uh, it means, to, uh, let's see, it means unscrupulous, corrupt, morally crooked. And then the word for twisted that Paul uses, that's uh, diastropho. And diastropho means to pervert, to cause someone to turn away from correct behavior. And against that kind of sinful background, sinful darkness, Paul notes that the Christians in Philippi will shine like supernovas. Gee, anything sound familiar there? Is our culture in the midst of a scolios epidemic right now? Is our culture morally crooked? What do you think? Genderless public restrooms. What a treat that is. Drag queens hosting children's story hour at a public school or 
a public library near you, school districts secretly grooming students for transgenderism and life-altering medications and surgeries, all without parental consent. I mean, come on. Is our culture morally crooked? It makes ancient Rome look like a Sunday school picnic, doesn't it? And talk about twist it, you know, causing someone to turn away from correct behavior, what is right. I mean, that's a pretty good description of what Satan does, isn't it? Hey, Eve, did God really say? Twisting God's word and turning it inside out and upside down, changing the meaning to please people's fancies. And, and you do realize that there are fewer and fewer Christian denominations in our land who still believe that the Bible is the word of God and God's truth from cover to cover. Too many churches have sliced and diced the word of God like a Vitamix to make it accommodate whatever social agenda is popular. And you do know, don't you, that now they're using AI technology, AI software, to rewrite the words of Jesus in the Gospels, imitating Christ's style and dialogue and word choice and making it seem as if Jesus approves of the sins we just talked about. I mean, how in the world is an unchurched person supposed to know the difference between a Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit and something inspired by artificial intelligence? I mean, that's about as twisted as it gets. It's horrible. Can't really watch the news anymore. But it does mean one thing, that against the background of that kind of pitch-black spiritual darkness, you will shine, and I will shine, like a lighthouse, a beacon, a candle in a closet, a city on a hill. And now let me tell you what that kind of shininess looks like. Paul gives us a couple of clues in our text. First of all, he says in verse 3, in humility, count yourselves more significant, or count others more significant than yourselves. In other words, be humble. And that makes sense. I mean, Jesus was humble, wasn't he? In fact, in this same chapter, Paul describes how Jesus made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, a slave, humbling himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Be humble like Jesus. Be shiny. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Forgive and forget. Love them like Jesus, even though they don't deserve it. And then serve them. That's the other thing that Paul talks about. That's the other thing that makes you shiny like Jesus. Paul adds, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's golden rule language, isn't it? In other words, how is your neighbor doing? How are they hurting? How can you be like Christ and help them? How can you be like Jesus and serve them? 
these early church Christians, like the folks Paul was writing to in our text, they were shiny because they did those two things very well. In humility, they put themselves in the sandals of others, and then they responded to their hurts and needs. In fact, this Philippian church, like so many of the other churches that Paul started, they opened their doors to slaves. And remember, during the heyday of the Roman Empire, one-third of its entire population uh, were slaves. You know, considered by most to be, you know, throwaway humanity. You know, what's on the bottom of your shoe? Nothingness. Christians welcomed them with open arms, and it blew the Romans away. They'd never seen anything like that before. And these Philippian Christians, they also shared their stuff. They shared their resources with the poor. If you came uh, to church, at least you left with something to eat and something to wear. The Romans were flabbergasted by that uh, kind of behavior. And these Philippian Christians, they also took care of the widows who were commonly found begging at the city gates or worse, another act of charity never seen. Those Christians were shiny, weren't they? Those Christians were noticed by their community. They were talked about. And when their retired military neighbors asked these Christians the reason behind their outlandish behavior, what do you think those Christians said? Well, we try to love others because Jesus loves us. He's the one who died but now lives forever. Would you like to hear more about him? They were shiny, and their shininess was contagious, and souls were saved, and the church grew, and angels sang, and the darkness wept. You know what? You're baptized. Jesus has been rubbing off on you for a long time, so be shiny. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. Be compassionate. Be kind. Help them if and when you can. In fact, be a good employee. That's shiny. Be honest. Treat your coworkers with respect and your boss, too. Be a good student. That's shiny. Expand your friend group. Respect and encourage your teachers. Did you ever stop to think that maybe your teacher needs a little encouragement sometime? You know, especially these days. Tell them they're doing a good job. Be a good citizen. Respect the office of those whom God has allowed to rule in his place on this side uh, of heaven. Even if you don't agree with their politics or their policies. And always ask yourself, well what would Jesus do here? What would Jesus say to this person? What would Jesus uh, think about this? And when that person comes up to you and asks you why you're so different from everybody else uh, these days, then go ahead and tell them, well, I try to love everybody because Jesus loves me. Even though I don't deserve it, he died for me, he rose for me. I'll tell you more about him if you want me to. Be shiny. 
and souls will be saved, and God's church will grow, and angels will sing, and that horrible darkness in our world right now will weep. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.